We're so glad that you're here. If you're brand new, welcome. We're so thankful that you uh, decided to choose Real Life as a place to visit here this morning. If you're joining us online, we're so thankful that you're joining us. I also want to give a uh, kind of a shout out to Darren's Place. Uh, they, uh, uh, you guys connect every week, um, and uh, we're so thankful that you're joining us. Uh, they're a group of individuals uh, that are uh, kind of getting the help that they need, and they decide to collect around a, a large TV and meet with the Lord in that way. And so we're so thankful for what God is doing both here in the, this house as well as across the city. And so, uh, so thank you guys for, for joining us. I also want to say, man, if you guys have a, a son or a daughter in high school or in middle school, uh, we had an incredible weekend this past weekend uh, with these students. And uh, it was really a challenging, life-changing moment for, for many of them, actually. And, uh, and we were able to see God do an incredible work in our youth ministry. And so, so I just want to encourage you, if, you've got, if you're a family and you've got a son or a daughter in middle school or high school, um, come out on Wednesday nights. Uh, it's a great time to connect with some other students, meet with the Lord. Uh, we're continuing to see God move in that area. Also at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, it's another way uh, to be able to connect them and, uh, and encourage them in the Lord as they are walking. So, with that said, uh, welcome to the final week of our values series. Uh, if you've walked with us the past several weeks, um, it's been encouraging. It's been exciting. Um, it's also been challenging, especially um, for many of us, as we are fighting to say, God, what are the things that you value? And based on what you value, would you realign, would you readjust, reform our hearts to value the things that you value? Because we believe that when we value the things that God values, ultimately we change into the people that God always intended us to be. And so in week one, we dove into biblical truth and how vital it is, and how Christ is the source of that biblical truth. And then we jumped over to expectant prayer, and how we go into the throne room of grace, and we always ask, expecting God to answer, because at the throne room of grace, you receive something that you don't deserve, which is an answer, and it's always God's answer. And then we moved on to transformed lives. We value transformed lives and, and what God is doing. And then we talked about kingdom expansion and living on mission and how there's over 3 billion unreached people groups, uh, three unreached people in this world that God has called us to go and reach. Some are senders, but some are goers, but all of us are part of that same mission. And then last week we talked about contagious generosity and how God wants a heart that is contagiously generous, not just a, a valuing giving, but a contagious heart, a heart that continues to pour out no matter what, no matter where we are, seeing the need, filling the need, and stepping into that moment. This morning, we're looking at our sixth and our final value, which is God's best, God's best. How many of you want the best for your life? Okay, not all hands raised, but we, okay, that's fine. It's good. You're like, I, I super want mediocrity. Cool, that's good. Yay, we can talk later. Um, but we're, we're talking about God's best. Now, when I ask, I could probably have multiple conversations with many of you this morning, and I can probably ask, uh, what, is, what does it mean uh, to, to, well, let's just remove the word God for a moment. Like if I just said, what's the best? And we can kind of choose a category. You know, who's the best baseball player? Who's the best football player? Who's the, you know, who's the best in all these different categories? I guarantee I would get 
a ton of different names and a ton of different evaluations of who they think are the best. And then, and some that, you know, kind of geek out in that sports, they, they're like, here's why, here's the stats. Let me just lay this out, you know, and they get all into it. But, but they lay out, here's the reason why this is the best. But, but in reality, everyone has a different standard for what they would classify as best. And it's almost like, well, who's right? Like what really is the best? What really is that the, the top of every category in every part of our life? And I think that that's the value that God has brought us to. Now, what you'll see here as we kind of walk through this morning is, is this particular value, God's best, really touches both, I would say, directly or at least indirectly every single other value that we have. See, God wants his best he wants you to discover the best of biblical truth, the, the best of expectant prayer, the best of a transformed life, the, the best of kingdom expansion, the best of contagious generosity. God wants the best in all of those areas being, being offered to you so that you not only understand what those things are, but you also offer those things to everyone that's around you. And so, so God's best, this particular value, as we're going to look at this morning, um, I think is kind of, the, kind of that quality control, if I can say it that way. It's that quality control. And if we're looking for uh, maybe a definition, this would be the definition that I kind of wrote down, if, if, if you guys um, kind of take notes. But this is, this is what I wrote down. God's best is the maximum quality of life and existence found in God, offered from God, and as his creation, we get to offer to God. So let me read that again. It's the maximum quality of life and existence found first in God. It's offered from God, and as his creation, offered to God. Now, why do I say that? Because like I mentioned, that word best can be, can be defined or uh, qualified in many different ways by a number of people in this room or online or whoever. So what determines what the best is? Well, I think God kind of reveals that in his word multiple times. The reason why we call it God's best is because that is a, that is a much different standard then what I would say is, is our best. 1 Peter 1.16 gives, gives us a little bit of insight as we're lo- beginning to look at that this morning. This is what it says. It says, for scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. So, so if I can take a little bit of liberty with this particular verse, let me say it this way. The Greek word there actually means to be set apart. So there's us, and then there's God who's set apart. He is something other than us. See, God is not a creation. He is creator. He is not, he is not finite. He is infinite. He is not temporary. He is eternal, and on and on and on it goes. He is something that we are not. He is something other. So that's what that word ultimately is talking about. But but I think what we could even say is, is the scriptures say, hey, uh, Joel, you must be 
you must be, be holy because I am holy, um, meaning God is saying I am the best, if I can say it this way, in all categories. I am the best, and so I want to offer you the best. I want to show you the best so that you in turn can also offer and show the best to a world that doesn't know me. So be holy as I am holy. Be the best because I am the best. And one of the things that I, I, I love looking at is, 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 see, God is setting himself apart. He's saying, I am the standard of how you define that word best. I am best. I am best in every category of life and in every possible way. And one of the things that I, that I began to look at is that I began to kind of go, okay, God, how do you reveal yourself as, as the best? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 10, he gives us another verse. And I just want to look at it. This is what it says. It says, Lord, there's no one like you. Like, you see, again, he's holy, he's set apart. He's, he's, he's in a different category. For you are great. Your name is full of power. Who would not fear you? O king of nations. That title belongs to who? To you alone. Among all the wise people of the earth and in all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. No one like you. See, God is, is going, I, I'm, I'm in a category all my own. I'm in a different, I'm at a different level, a different plane, and I need you to see that. I need you to understand that. I need you to believe that. I need you to trust that. Because only in that can you receive that and show that. So there's, there's a process here. God is revealing himself to all of mankind for a reason to go, I want you to show, I want to show you the greatest standard. I want to show you the pinnacle of life. I want to show you the ins and outs, the reason why and how to live so that you in turn can not just be informed, but be transformed. Not just be informed, but changed and, and informed on how to actually live out what God has poured, poured into our lives. God is the standard. God's best. I love, um, this past week it was Valentine's Day. And for you husbands that are just now finding out, I'm sorry, okay? Just... You can, you can call me later. I do counseling. It'll, it'll be fine, okay? It'll be good. Now, whether you, whether you celebrate it or not, the reality is, is, is it's a day that kind of tees you up to be able to celebrate that person that is so meaningful, that you love so much, that you, it just you can kind of express in that moment. And I, I was able to do that with, with my wife. Now, I remember when I first, when I first saw, when I saw my wife, I, I looked at her and I was like, that is God's best. Um, and then she looked at me and she's like, that's one of God's creations. Um, that's good. And um, slowly, it, it took time. She finally got there. Um, and, uh, but, but it was just one of those things. It was one of those things where um, I, and if you know our story, I've, we've had the opportunity to share some of our story. My, my wife and I, uh, in our early 20s, we dated for about 10 or 11 months. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the problem. Um, I, that was me, but um, the, the problem ultimately started when, when we were dating for 10 or 11 months and I didn't see what was in front of me. See, I, I can unequivocally 
look retrospect and look in the rearview mirror and go, she was always the, the best that God had in mind for me. I just didn't see it. You know why? I, because I thought I was the best and I knew what was best for me rather than what God needed for me. Do, do you see? And so there's this journey of where we dated for 10 or 11 months. And then uh, for those that don't know, um, I, I ghosted my wife for five years. So, um, and, meaning I stopped calling her, texting her, emailing her. It's how to lose a girl in one easy step. So, um, wrote the book. Uh, it, uh, it was one of those journeys, and, and, and I just didn't see it. Like, I really, like, I'm looking back, and I'm going, you're an idiot, Joel. Like, what did you not see this first go-around? Because all I could see was what, what I thought was the standard, what I thought I needed, what I thought I wanted, and I didn't see her as that. And God goes, okay, I need five years of your life so that you can help learn something that you don't know. I can begin to pour something in you, take things from you so that you can be the person you need to be so that you are ready for my best. Now, I'm not just talking about relationships here. I'm just talking about life in general. Like sometimes, sometimes categorically, there's, there's God's best in our life, but we don't see it. You know why? Because we think we still are that standard. We're still we are still the best. We don't see God here as holy, as other, as categorically the best in every category in life, as, as there's no one like you, as the, as the one that actually is, is wise and, and rules over the kingdoms. There is no one like you, as Jeremiah says. Like, this is the God that we're talking about. He is the standard of what is best and what is not. So, so if we're being honest and we say, okay, if God is the best then that applies to every part of life. Meaning, if I want to have the best marriage, then wouldn't it make, make sense to say that God has that standard, God knows what a best marriage looks like, and therefore I shouldn't just be informed about a best marriage, but actually live out the best marriage that he has dictated. He has shared in his word what best marriage, best relationship sort of looks like. But the same thing falls in all the categories. It falls in parenting. It falls in, um, in work, in how we engage in life. All of these things are touched because God, in a categorical sense and in a dominating creator sort of sense, he is overall, he is the best in all those categories, and he has the best for all of us anytime our lives touch those categories. Problem is, I think sometimes we just, we don't like it. <laughs> we don't like God's best. We don't like God's way. We don't want God's way, as we'll see here sh shortly. But I love how Paul, Paul gives us a little bit of insight about this, this idea of God's best. And, and I've wrestled with this passage for a number of different, number of weeks, and I want you to look at it with me. It's Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 22. And following. If you don't have it, it's going to be up here uh, on the screen. And I like how the ESV reads this morning. And so I'll be reading out of the ESV. This is what it says. It says, bond servants, obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Verse 23 says, whatever you do, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord, 
and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. God, I just pray for wisdom in this moment. Would you speak clearly to us on what, what, you're, what you want to say in this area of your best? God, I pray that you would offer us your best even this morning, even in this moment, Lord, that you would give to us a truth that doesn't, isn't just heard, but actually plants in our lives. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So at the beginning, just before verse 22, and I didn't, I didn't pull it up, but, but in, just before verse 22, Paul begins to list some things that God is best in and gives you some information. When you look at verse 19, it talks about how husbands, if you want the best for your marriage, um, love your wives and never treat them harshly. You see, see God, is, God is giving you, let me, let me tell you what's best here, husbands. Do this with your wife, and it's going to go well. But then he goes on, and he jumps over, and he gives another example quickly. He says, children, paying attention, children? All right. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Notice it doesn't say obey it when you like it. Or obey it when you feel like it. It says, if you want to have best for your life, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, you want to have a good relationship with your children? Don't aggravate them. Don't aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. And then he jumps over to slaves or bond servants. And that's where we had begun. He gives this other example. And he says, hey, uh, don't just give eye service or lip service or people, don't be a people pleaser, but with a sincere heart, fearing the Lord. There's an understanding, there's an awareness there that you are working in a way um, different than maybe what the world, the world sets. And then we get to verse 23. Verse 23. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do. So, so he gives a couple examples, starts out, but then he just says, verse 23, hey, in everything. So just in case I missed it here earlier, in everything, whatever you do, whatever you put your time, your energy, your resources, any kind of stewardship in your life, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. Right here, Paul clearly distinguishes two categories. He's going, there's two ways to live out your life. You can live according to man, or you can live according to the Lord. Like, there's, not, there, there's no other choices there's not, a, there's, not a, uh, there's not an option not to choose. By not choosing, you've made a choice. You will fall in the category of man. There's, there is man's best, if I can say it that way, and the Lord's best. And whatever you do, God says, I want you to offer God's best as if you're doing it 
for me and no one else. Because if your life no longer belongs to you, then your forever employer is no longer man. It's always God. You're forever the one that you are trying to please. I got one person in the entire universe to please, and it's not the person sitting next to you. It's the one who rescued you. It's the one who changed you. It's the one who transformed you. He says, whatever you do, do it as unto me, not unto men. Now, I know, I know that sometimes when you hear God's best, I, I grew up with a dad, a Marine Corps dad, and I'd finish mowing the lawn, and then he'd come out, and he'd have the chiseled chin and the laser beam eyes, um, and because uh, that's what Marines do. I don't know. Um, they, and, and he'd look at me, and he'd kind of be kind of surveying the lawn, and that was always a dangerous time for me. Um, and, uh, and he'd ask me this question. He's like, uh, did you do your best? And all of a sudden, I get nervous. I'm like, I don't, uh, I, I finish it. He goes, no, that's not what I asked. It's not what I asked, Joel. Did you do your best? And then he tags on, he puts the tag, did you do God's best? And I went, well, If I did God's best, we wouldn't be having this conversation, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got spanked that day. Anyway, um, so the bottom line is, 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 is like I, I grew up hearing these, these things, and, and, and part of me is going, is it just a performance thing? Like, you can hear God's best, and you're like, is it just a performance thing? If I just accomplish this, see, if I could slide a piece of paper over and go, if you just hit this mark right here, that's God's best. But I read through Scripture, it just doesn't, it doesn't qualify like that. It doesn't lay out like that. Like, take, for example, Noah. Noah was a guy who was faithful to the Lord. And you know what he did? He was, he was told by the Lord, I want you to build an ark because there's going to be a flood coming, the whole deal. You guys know the story. And then for 75 years, 75 years, he builds a boat, a craft, a wooden craft, a boat. We'll call it a, a, a building of a sort. And it's had 107,000 square feet. Now, follow me here. 107,000 square feet this was what, it took him 75 years to do, and you know what? He was able to rescue eight people. Guy would not be hired in a church in America, okay? Just when, ha- they, they'd be like, oh my goodness, you built a building with 107,000 square feet, and uh, you got eight people. Bro, you ain't gonna last, man. I mean, it's, it's not happening. And the bottom line is, is, is according to our perspective, according to our definition, we would look and say, that guy lost. He didn't do it God's way. But then you read scripture about Noah and God goes, I am so pleased with that guy. And you're like, whoa, wait, wait a second. This is so backwards. But he, God, he, he only got eight people on the boat. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just, this is crazy. Like, Help me understand, and God's standard is different than yours. His best is different than your best. His definition of success will always differ than the success 
of man. And if you keep playing that game, you're going to continue to be discouraged until you understand that God is not after some performance in this moment. He's after your heart. Right? He's after your heart. So what do we mean when we talk about God's best? There's three things that I just want to give you to you this morning. Three things as we talk about God's best. The first is, I've already said it in many different ways, is, is I want you and I, and the Lord wants you and I to understand this. Jesus Christ is God's best. It's not a something it's not an event. It's not something that you can accomplish. It's not something that you can build. Because, again, guess what? We, all those things that we can do are temporary. They're finite. They're flawed. They will eventually wear out. But when we understand that our God, Jesus Christ, is not a creation but creator, the only thing he can make is something that lasts. The only thing that he can make is something eternal. The only thing that he can, like, it lasts. It's permanent. When God does it, it stands the test of time. Christ is and will always be God's best. How do I know that? Colossians chapter 1, and we went through the book of Colossians um, a a year or so ago, um, but in Colossians chapter 1, In verse 15, this is what it says. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created some things, everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. So, categorically, Jesus created all. He is over all. He is supreme over all. He is at the pinnacle of every category, understands what the best in all those categories looks like, smells like, should be, will be, and could be in your life. He made the things we can see, and the things that we can't see, even, even the things going on in our minds, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, in the unseen world, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. So he narrows the beam down, and he says, all of God's people, I'm the head over. I'm king, I rule, I'm best in all categories, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme over all. I'm the best over everything is what he's saying. I'm the very best. Who rise from the, from the dead, so he is first in everything. I am best in everything. I am supreme over everything. I am creator and ruler over everything. So again, wouldn't make sense if I want the best for my life, wouldn't I go to the best 
that created life, that knows life, that understands life, and how it should be lived, how it should play out. And, and so when you look back at, at Colossians chapter 3, we understand he's, Paul is trying to help everyone. He's saying, guys, in whatever you do, make it about him. Do it for him. Do it his way. In whatever you do, he's, he's ruler and he's supreme over all. Don't ever set a different standard. Don't ever, don't ever set your standard. And, and this is important because there's man's standard, as I mentioned before, and there's God's standard. But man's way that we tend to do always seems to fall short. Proverbs 14, 12 says this. It says, or it says there is a way that, what's that word? Seems. Joel, just, have you ever had a conversation with someone? But Joel, it just, just feels right. Just seems, this seems the, the right path to walk. This seems like that this is how it ought to be, how it should be. And you know what? I'm, I would stand here and I would say, I don't disagree that you feel that way. But once again, our feelings that are seemingly right to man always end the same way. They'll always end in death. See, if we live our best, if we choose our way, it will seem right. You may be sitting there and you're like, I am feeling like I am doing this right. I feel like I, I, that I've got things in control. I feel like the things that I'm putting my hands to, the relationship and how I'm living out that relationship, it just feels right, right? Love should trump what God says is right and wrong. And right and wrong is, uh, is, is a standard that oftentimes we like to set and not look at what God has already set. And we wonder why it keeps falling apart. We wonder why sex outside of marriage, which is the beautiful, created way in which it was meant to be, why that relationship feels tainted and why there's so much hardship because you're doing it man's best rather than God's. I, I don't know how else to say it, but we keep revisiting those things over and over. Like there is a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end, it will always end up less than what you desired. It will always lead you to death. But what, is, what else does God say? Not only is Christ God's best, I want you to know that our God is love and he offers he is always offered and gives us god's best christ gives us god's best look at john 10:10 10, 10. it says this the thief comes to steal kill and destroy you want to know what's robbing you you want to know what's stealing things from from you you want to know why your life isn't working out the way that it should because you're continuing to lean lean into your seemingly right way and guess who rules that and rules that domain his name's satan he's a real person and he's going to continue to take everything from you but, but Jesus, God himself says, I came that you may have life 
and have it abundantly. Have it richer. Have it fuller. Have the very best of life. So don't let anyone ever tell you that God doesn't want best for you. He's always wanted best for you. He created a way that is not necessarily right unto a man, but unto himself so that you could prosper, so that you could understand what life was meant to be and what it was meant for, which was ultimately to glorify and worship our creator. It's a best way of living. So, so when I engage in work, I can worship God in the best possible way, even when I work, even when I go home and I love on my wife the way Christ loves the church. When I engage with my children, there is a best way of living that just by sheer life, life Life on life with the people that God's planted around me, when I'm doing it God's way, I automatically bring him glory without having to come into a place like this on Sunday morning and lift my hands and feel better about the sin that I did this whole last week. Do you see what I'm saying? Like this is, there is a way that God has crafted and created life so that you can have the very best of life. And that life corresponds with what he always desires from you. You don't have to make something up. You just need to be obedient to the life that he's given. It's a step by step. And I don't want to go back to life transformation, but it, a life transformation takes a lifetime. It takes all of our life. And you never fully arrive. Every day is just a greater opportunity of being less like ourselves and more like our Savior. God is constantly pouring out his best he wants to give you an abundant life. Christ has, is, and will always offer us the best of life. He showed us that when he gave his best on a wooden tree. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22. I want you to understand that his best is our inheritance. It's our inheritance. It's your inheritance. It's God making a way for you when there was no way. It's, it's loving you in spite of you, not because of you. And this is what he says in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of God's best. Because of the blood of Jesus. Do you see that? Like, like Jesus has always been offering his best even when we don't deserve it, even when you and I don't deserve it, Jesus goes, I'm going to offer my best so you can come into the most intimate dwelling place of God. Remember how I, at the beginning we read, be holy as I am holy. I cannot on my own and in my own seemingly man-made way be right and holy before God. But through the blood of the gift of Jesus Christ and him giving, my, giving his best, I can now offer the best to the Father that says, welcome home. Welcome home. This, this, is our, this is who our God is. This is who our king ultimately is. And then it goes on to say, he says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way, the best way to live through the curtain, into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go straight into the presence of God with sincere hearts. There's that word again, sincere. Remember in Colossians, that same word, that sincere heart. So it, 
it's almost like God is drawing attention less to, hey, how many butts did we have in seats today? No, it's more how many hearts were impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ today. You see the different standard? God's best may not be seen quantitatively, but God's best is always understood qualitatively. God is constantly doing something deeper. He's, He's looking for this. He's capturing this. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with him with pure water. Christ gives us God's best. Third and final thing, in Christ, in Christ, and this is important, in Christ, we can now offer God's best. See, you can come in here and you can hear all kinds of information about Jesus. You can hear all kinds of information about Scripture. You can hear all kinds of information about nice, wonderful values that we're valuing here at Real Life Church and still not be changed. You can be informed and not transformed. And so what we're talking about here is is we're talking about going beyond the information and letting God transform you to pour out to a world that doesn't know him what God has ultimately poured in. I know we talk about this almost every weekend because I want you to know this is life. This is not a temporary moment. This is how we are to live out our lives. This is what God, God wants to pour, give us his best so that we can offer his best to a world that has no idea what best looks like so that they understand that this This is the way God would have you to do it. This is the way that God would have you to see it. This is the perspective of of marriage. This is why God's best can be offered. See, I can't offer, you can't offer something you don't have. You can't offer something that you don't have, especially something you don't believe. But when Christ's best is poured in us, it can also be expressed and and offered from us. It's not you. Make make no mistake, it's it's not you. In order to love my wife, there's a way that seems right unto Joel, and it doesn't work. (laughs) You can ask Michelle, all right? Um, But then there's a Christ-honoring way. And in that way, despite all my flaws and all my failures, I can love her the way Christ demands. I can step into that relationship in the way that he always wanted me to. But the same thing is is with my work. See, in Christ, we offer God's best. Go back to that that verse, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily. I want to look at that word heartily just for one second. It actually means from the soul. Work from the depths of who you are. When you do anything, Do it from the core, the center, the soul, the soul of who you are, not as unto man, but unto the Lord. You see, again, it's it's God going always back to the the heart. And that's why God, God says, hey, the first and greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. This is the first and this is the greatest commandment. 
Do you see what I'm saying? And then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. I can't do that until I have that. I can't love anyone else. I can't do, I can't offer God's best until I'm first have received and understand and in relationship with God's best with Jesus himself so that he in turn can live out the life that he wants through me and through you. This is God's best. Tim Keller made this statement. He said, I can't offer God's best as long as I continue to seek my best. As long as you continue to want your way that's seemingly right, you're never gonna be able to offer the best to anyone else around you. And you're always gonna be wondering, why do I keep coming to this same place, this same destructive place in life? Because you keep doing it your way, your best, rather than God's. There is a way that seems right unto the man, but in the end. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Goes on to say, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So, so let me say it like this. God knows that we're finite and we're in, incapable, incapable of being able to offer anything permanent or great. But you know what he wants? He wants the best of what you do have to be laid at his feet. And then like Jesus always does, he takes our ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. He constantly is taking all of our flaws and our failures and then he supersedes all that and he infuses it with the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in and of himself and then he dishes it back out to the world around us so that they can see not us for who we are because we'll be flawed and we'll be failing all the time, but by who Jesus is and could be in their life. And so every life and every decision and every act of God's best demonstrated is actually an invitation to the world that you need something more than you have. You need someone more than you have. That's, what, that's how our lives live out. And so when we talk about, like on Sunday morning, and, and, and sometimes that word God's best can be equated to, you hear this word excellence. Uh, and, and I don't think excellence goes far enough. Because I can do things excellent and, and ultimately still not offer God's best. Because that excellent can be classified in mind. It's excellent according to everyone else around me. But is it God's best? Is it capturing hearts? Is it moving mountains? Is it transforming lives around me? See, this is the fruit that comes from a life that is, has God's best in their life and it is offering it to everyone else around us. This is the life that he invites us into. I, 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 there's a number of other things, but I, I gotta be done. There's three things I just wanna close, close out here with. Because the question that I ask is, is how do I land here, Joel? How do I see this? You kept going back to the heart, so let me give you three things about the heart, and we're done. There's three, it, I think it's a specific kind of heart that's able to receive God's best, but then also share God's best. You ready? The first is an obedient heart. It's just an obedient heart. The reason why I say obedient heart is because all God wants you to do is what he's told you to do. Don't manufacture something. Don't create something that you think sounds good or feels good. There is a way that seems right unto a man. But what does God's word say? 
That's right. This will not, this will not fail you. God is looking for an obedient, obedient heart. The second is a devoted heart. A devoted heart is faith. Noah accomplished what he did by faith. See, he was anchored in the Lord by faith. I believe in what God had done for me, and I believe in what God is going to do through me. I don't know how, I don't know in what way, but somehow, some way, God works. I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to make it through this month, but somehow if I do it God's way, all of a sudden, God works, and we get his best at the end of the month rather than ours. God continues to do this out through life. It is a devoted heart. It is a faith-filled heart. That's what Colossians is going back to. Whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord, not just with eye service, not just as people pleasers, but a heart faith-filled, devoted heart towards him. The third and final kind of heart is a pursuing heart. Pursuing heart, never quitting, always doing it for him, heartily, from the soul, from the soul, the core of who you are. If, if the activity that you're engaging in continues to lead you to the same discouragement that maybe you're at this morning, you need to ask why. You need to ask why. Because there is a reason. And the reason usually revolves around the fact that I'm trying to do something I was never meant to do. I am trying to accomplish something and offer something that is less than what God wants to offer in and through you and me. Obedient heart, a devoted heart, a pursuing heart. Teresa of Avila said this, I know that he who understands him best loves and praises him best. I, I wonder this morning, I wonder if, if we're being honest with each other this morning, some of you have never been able to offer God's best because guess what? You've never had the best rule and reign in your heart. The best is not an accomplishment. The best is a relationship. And it's a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of the Lords. And make no mistake, he wants every single one of you. You're not tainted. You're not worthless. There's not enough sin that you could have ever accomplished that God goes, I made a mistake on that one. No. He's inviting you in to the deeper inner recesses, the most holy place, the dwelling place of God. He wants to be the best in your life so that you can experience the best of life. See, God, God saw you before the beginning of time. He handcrafted you. Because he says, I love you, I know how you're made, I know how you're wired, and I know what I want to do through you. And make no mistake, it's the very best of life. Question is, is are you ready to step in? Believe in the very best, Jesus Christ, as the best of what you need in order to change your life and be able to show that to a world that doesn't know.